And so we said yes to God. I think the sermon I preached last time was we said yes to step one without knowing step two. Uh, this cool story in Acts 8 um, with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and so that was our story. We said yes. And then as soon as we said yes, we started God opening up doors that we could never have imagined. And even since I was with you guys in the spring, God has done so many more things. He's opened up so many more doors. We've now since moved to to Hendersonville. By the way, we're planting uh, in Los Angeles, California in June. Um, we're planting specifically in the Anaheim area. Um, and so we're really excited about that. We're in the process now of a residency with a church called Long Hollow Baptist Church in, um, uh, in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, it's a large, large church. We're not very, we're not used to it. It's about six, 7,000 members and stuff. Uh, we kind of get swallowed up in it. But God has taught us so much through this process and through this residency to help prepare us for what's next. So in this season, just real quick, we're, um, we're um, building a strategy for our plant. Uh, so what the model of our church is going to look like. We're building a team of people to go with us. Hint, hint, wink, wink, if there's some here tonight uh, or this morning that uh, uh, as God is calling them. Uh, God could be calling some of you to come with us and then... Uh, then the third thing is, is God is uh, providing us opportunity in the season to, to gather partners. And it's so cool just to be here with you. I think uh, even uh, Brother Kevin has said, hey, we want to allow you to come and share your heart and vision. And, and, and uh, we want to be praying for you. We've already heard of people praying for us. And we thank you for doing that. So that's a quick update. Um, thank you guys for praying. We love you guys so much and so thankful for this congregation and this season of life. And so... Thank you. Um, good Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a good Thanksgiving. It was good. Ate lots of turkey. Um, fought with fam- hung out with family. Right? We were driving over here, and I was like, Rachel, I would love to be a part of the, the Wax family Thanksgiving. Just one year. Uh, anybody else, just to be in the room, instead of like debating politics, you know they're just like debating theological stuff and you know every and Weston I know he's holding his own and everything I mean they're just can you imagine I mean I just I would love to to be uh, at a wax family uh, Thanksgiving but uh, I hope everybody ate lots of turkey watched a lot of anybody watch did anybody see the game last night Uh, y'all stayed up for that Uh, it was any LSU fans no LSU fans Uh, that's okay um they, they, they lost, um, but um, they're still going to a bowl game, uh, which is more than some. Is this, should I have not said that? That's not a. Oh, see, that didn't. Oh, man, that's not nice. This isn't going well, Ken. Um, you're supposed to be able to report the beginning of a sermon, and, and that's. So let's just, let's just go into the sermon. How about that? Hey, my title for the sermon this morning is One Purpose, Many Callings. One purpose, many callings. This is my testimony. This is my heart. This is who I. Um, who, this is what I feel like God has given me um, to encourage me in a lot of ways, and it's part of my testimony. And I, I want to share with you guys this morning. Uh, we're in Jeremiah one. You can go ahead and turn there uh, if you like. Jeremiah one. We're we're going to read verses four through ten. Um, my goal this morning. My goal this morning is to show you through the Scripture that God has given. All of us, okay? My goal this morning is to show you through Scripture that God has given all of us a singular purpose, a goal, and a commission in this life. 
And his desire, God's desire, is to show us, is for us to pursue this grand purpose, to pursue this grand commission through the specific and unique calling that he's given to each one of us. One purpose, many callings. I also want us to be aware this morning um, that there's an accuser out there who knows this. He knows that God has given us a purpose and he knows that God has given us unique callings and he is going to do his very best to thwart, to confuse and to distract God's people from understanding and obeying this calling in their life. God is uh, moving right now. God is moving. God's been moving in, in my life and in Rachel's life and in our ministry right now. He's allowed us to be uh, church planners and he's provided us a, a lot of um, confidence along the way, a lot of success as we're, as we're building a team. Um, we, uh, we here recently um, have been adding to our team. We've now got 19 adults that are going with us. Moving from here in Tennessee to Los Angeles, that's just 19 adults. Um, 25, and, and, and including all family, we're hoping to bring uh, many more. We had a couple, uh, a family a couple of weeks ago that, that committed, that sat down and prayed with uh, Rachel and I as I cast a vision to them. Their name were the Bells, uh, Bobby and Brian Bell. And they sat down and they have a family of, of five and they are very successful uh, uh, professionals in the healthcare. In healthcare, um, they're doing very well. They're uh, they're in their mid forties. They have a full family, and, and they told us they said it doesn't make sense, but we're going. Um, they're leaving everything. They they've been members at Long Hollow for eighteen years, and they said we're leaving and we're going to Los Angeles to help you plant a church. God has been moving. God has been growing, and I've seen that in our lives. And He's given us a lot of confidence, not in me, but in what God is doing as we've said yes to God. He's been showing up, right? I believe it's because we stepped out in faith and said yes to a calling. But let me be very clear. It wasn't always like that. And it isn't always like that in my life. Guys, my testimony is crippled with a feeling of unworthiness. Um, I grew up in a family that is a very talented family, very gifted family. And surrounded by a lot of people around me that were gifted and talented. And so I compared myself a lot and I was very envious at times. But mostly what it did in my life, it was it created this, uh, this feeling of unworthiness. Or I couldn't, I'm not good enough, right? I'm not smart enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not talented enough, right? I, I'm not, um, I don't know enough about scripture and theology. I, I'm not... Um, you don't know, God, what I'm struggling with right now. And it just created this, this feeling of unworthiness. In the end, know this. In the end, it doesn't matter what anyone says about you. Honestly, it doesn't even matter what you say about yourself, which was my case. All that matters, the only opinion that matters is what God says and thinks about you. And we read that this morning in Romans 8. It was incredible. I'm, re I'm, I'm reading with you guys. And it was just incredible to see. Um, we're going to talk about that this morning. God has created you for a reason. God has created you with a purpose. You belong to him and he wants to use you. He wants to give you a life of significance and purpose and a reason. 
If you have Jeremiah 1, I would love if we could stand. Can we stand this morning and, and read together? I don't know if that's typical, but if we could stand this morning and read the word together. It says in Jeremiah 1, verses 4, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O oh Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down and destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to come and open up your word. I pray that right now you would touch my lips, touch my mouth. Put your words in my mouth and allow us to hear from you this morning. Lord, if there's anything that is not of you, I pray that you take it away. Lord, we trust to hear you this morning. I pray that we bring glory to you this morning with our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts. Lord, the way we listen to you this morning and receive your word, I pray that we would this morning. We love you. We ask all these things in your name. So my grandfather, I called him Papa. Okay, um, I'm sure there might be some here this morning that that remember um, uh, that might know uh, known or uh, remembered my Papa. He was a great man. He was my hero. Uh, I don't know if you have a man like that or a woman that is your hero that you look up to. Uh, this was that man. Uh, along with others, but this was one of those for me. He served in two major U.S. wars. He was the head electrician for NASA for two uh, Apollo projects. He loved God unapologetically. He served his family and his church well. He was an incredible man, and I looked up to him. And just to sit and listen to his stories and listen to, um, to, to his experience and his love for his family and his church was incredible. And when he passed away, he... Uh, didn't have a lot of things to give away, but um, we had a small family, and he, he gave me a bracelet. Uh, he, he put in his will to give me a bracelet. It was a gold-plated bracelet. There was nothing special about it. It was kind of tarnished and worn-looking, um, but uh, it was like a, a flat piece on the front and a chain that wrapped around and collapsed at the back. And on the chain, or on the, 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 the front, it, it had his name, Gerald Ruth, inscribed on, in the gold. And underneath it, it had his dog tag number, okay? This has great value to me. This, you can imagine, is incredibly uh, valuable to me. But it's not the bracelet itself that gives this piece its value, does it? The, the bracelet in and of itself has no value. It's the name inscribed on the bracelet that gives it its value. Guys, the same is true for us. Now listen, I'm certainly not saying here that people living without Christ have no value. I believe God has created everyone in his image and this sets them apart from every other part of his creation. But because 
of Adam's rebellion against God and our rebellion against God. In the beginning, our relationship with him has been broken and we are unable to live as God intended or wanted us to live. Does that make sense? The good news, the great news here is that God can redeem us through his son, Jesus Christ, and begin to restore us to his true likeness, to his image. Second Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite verses. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He has made you with his own hands and he has written his name. He is inscribed like that bracelet, his name across your life. And like that bracelet, your ultimate value is found in one thing. That inscription, that signature, you're valuable because God says that you are. Three points this morning, which are going to sound kind of health, wealth, and prosperity, but um, they're not. Um, Number one, you are known. Number two, you are significant. And my last point is you have a purpose. You are known, you are significant, and you have a purpose. Let's break this down together this morning. First, first it says that God knows you. It says you are known by God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Why did God tell these things to Jeremiah? Why did God feel so necessary to tell Jeremiah that I know you? Here's a little context. God is going to ask Jeremiah to give a message to the people of Judah that will be extremely hard to hear and then ultimately rejected. He's about to tell them that God is going to judge them and send them into captivity for not turning from their sins. And God knew Jeremiah and he knew this special calling. God knew Jeremiah's personality and his giftings and his talents and and the weaknesses and the the good things and the bad things and his struggles and his weaknesses and and everything. God knew Jeremiah and knew this special calling and he wanted a man like this, a patient man, a loving man. Jeremiah, for a reason. You see, before the kingdom of Judah goes into captivity, God wants his people to know that he loves them. So who else to tell them this news? He wants them to know that he loves them and that he wants to save them. For this reason, he chose Jeremiah to deliver this message. He knows Jeremiah and knows that he will be perfect for the job. Therefore, God is saying these things to Jeremiah to encourage them. He said... I want you to know, Jeremiah, that I am the one who has called you. I have appointed you. I love the CSB here. Anybody reading the CSB this morning? I know Weston is. Uh, The CSB, it says, I have set you apart. I love that phrase. I have set you apart. These words combined in the Hebrew um, to the word sanctified. It says, I have set you apart. I have sanctified you. Sanctification simply means to set aside or set apart for the use of God. I've set you apart to do my work. Isn't that incredible? He says, I know you. I've sanctified you. I've set you apart. God specifically knew Jeremiah, knew that he'd be perfect for this calling. And the same, like I said, is true for us. He knows every single one of us. He knows you. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, he knows Jeremiah, but does he really know me? Does he know my inabilities? Does he know my insecurities? Does he know uh, my struggles? Does he know my weaknesses? Does he know uh, all of these things about me? So certainly God can't know me, but this couldn't be further from the truth. 
The reoccurring theme in the Bible is that God made us and he knows us even better than he knows ourselves. And if you would allow me just for a moment to share some scripture in Psalm 139, and you can read or if you want, you can close your eyes. Um, but, but listen to this. It says this in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know every part, everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know, everything I do. And you know that uh, what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the forest of oceans, even there your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same thing. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. In verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Even still, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. You think our God does not know us. You are wrong. Our God, who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is present everywhere, who is infinitely holy, that God in His infinite power knows every detail of our lives. He knows every thought before we think it, everything we do before we do it. He knows every word before we say it. He knows our every need, our every emotion, our every motive, intention, desire, every decision that we ever face, every trial that we suffer. He knows everything. And the accuser will do anything in his power to distract you from that specific calling that God has for you. And will say to you things like, well, God doesn't know your struggles. God doesn't know your inabilities. God doesn't really know you. No matter what it is, God already knows. And still, he has plans for you that you can't even begin to imagine. Point two, you are significant. So you are known and you are significant. Here's Jeremiah's response. Oh, Lord God, I don't know how to speak for I am only a youth. Okay, so at this point we see the Lord called Jeremiah at a very young age. He knew him and called him to do great things. And Jeremiah's response after God came to him and spoke to him and said, Hey, you're going to do all these things. I want you to do this. And you're going to do this. You're the specific person that I'm going to call to do this. And Jeremiah says what? But Lord, I can't. But Lord, I can't. I'm too young. He had all these concerns and excuses of how he wasn't good enough or equipped enough or strong enough. How many of us do this? Man, I do. And I still do. In the beginning, 
the, the calling, the specific calling that God had placed on my life. And, and he said, I want you to be significant. I want you uh, to thrive. I want you to, to move. I want you to go. I want you to do the work of the Lord. And for so long, that was thwarted because Satan convinced me that I was not good enough. And I'm not apart from God. But, but, but Satan was able to creep in and say, but Jason, what about this? But Jason, what about this? How many of us do the same thing? We know God has placed a calling on our life. We know God has called us to do something and say, well, but just wait. Just wait till I'm, I'm strong enough. Just to wait till I'm gifted enough. Just wait till I'm smart enough or I, I know enough about theology or, or, or doctrine bit before I do this or that or the other. Before I speak to this person and I know they're going to shut me down. Before I go into to have this conversation that might turn into a debate. Before I do that, I want to be equipped first. And I want to, to give me a couple of years before I go and speak to this person. And God is saying, no, I called you, go. I called you, go. Look what the Lord said to Jeremiah in verse 7 and 8. Do not say, I am only youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I'm with you to deliver you. You see, God doesn't always call the perfect. If you don't hear anything, hear this. God doesn't always call the perfect, the sinless, the fully equipped, the righteous, the smartest, the strongest, the best looking, the most talented people. No, most often he calls people like me. And he calls people like you. The ordinary. He calls the sinners. He calls the weak. He calls the poor. He calls the young. He calls the inexperienced. And God assures Jeremiah that despite his youth, despite his inexperience, despite his inabilities, God has given him significance and will use him in powerful ways to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Be yielded this morning. Be obedient to God. Be faithful in this season that God has placed you in. And he will do immeasurable and significant things in your life. I pray maybe this morning becomes one of those moments for a few of you in your life. Maybe just a few of the words that I say this morning. Maybe that God speaks to you in a special way. And maybe to this morning is a special moment in your, in your life where you stop making excuses about how you're not good enough or strong enough or talented enough. God says you are. He has chosen you. My last point, and I'm almost done. You have a purpose. So you are, help me out, you are known. You are Significant. It's early, a lot of turkey. And you have a purpose. You are known, you are significant, and you have a purpose. It says in verse 7, For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am, uh, for I am with you to deliver you to close the Lord. And then verse 9, it says, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Long, uh, not... Eight or nine, ten years ago, uh, when I first started speaking and teaching and communicating and, and starting ministry, uh, I made a habit for myself every time before I, I went to, to preach. Or, and I did the same thing this morning, uh, or spoke or, or, or spoke God's word to, to people. I, I prayed a specific prayer, and I've, I've done it. I've gotten on my knees, and I've prayed this exact prayer um, over and over. And I think that's healthy. I think it's good. I think a lot of us do similar things like that. You're praying over your family or or, or your day or your morning or whatever. And, and this prayer for me was, uh, before, I, before I spoke, God, would you anoint 
me this morning, would you touch my lips and would you put your words in my mouth? And that comes from this passage. Would you touch my lips and would you put your words in my mouth? What was Jeremiah's calling? Well, his unique calling was to be a prophet, a preacher, a communicator, a man who spoke to the masses and proclaimed a specific truth to the people of God. But what was his purpose? Okay, so that was his calling, which is all different. Uh, But what was his purpose? The same as ours. To reach others and tell them of the hope that we have in Christ, that they don't have to live a life of doubt and guilt, that God knows them, that he thinks that they are significant, that he loves them, that he has a calling and a plan and a purpose for their lives. God has created each one of us, every single one of us, with the ability to change the world in which we live in different ways that God has orchestrated specifically for each individual. Our callings are all different, but our purpose is the same. Our mission statement for Echo Church, which, by the way, is our, our, our plant name, uh, disciples making disciples, proclaiming a truth that echoes, that multiplies, um, our mission statement is we exist to bring glory to God by equipping disciples to reach the lost. That's our purpose. That's our heart. That's our goal. That's singular. We exist for no other reason. We exist. You guys exist for no other reasons than, than to be a disciple that makes disciples. Right? To understand God's purpose and his gospel and then to proclaim that to the nations. That is your purpose. The, the purpose of the church To bring glory to God by equipping us to do that. Does that make sense? So live with this purpose. Make your life matter. Pick yourself up no matter how many times you've fallen fallen down and be a light in this dark world. We fail when we allow those whispers of doubt from the accuser to creep in and say, when we say no to God. I love what Warren Wiersbe says, one of my favorite preachers and commentators. He says this. And I love this. Any servant of God who feels himself or herself too weak to serve needs to consider these three encouragements. Has God called you? Has God called you? Then he will equip you and enable you. Are you obeying his commands by faith? Question two. Then he is with you to protect you. And then the last question. Are you sharing the word? then he will accomplish his purposes no matter how the people respond. And then he says this, and I love this, and I'm going to say it a couple of times. Hear this. What we are, what and who we are, is God's gift to us. Anything that we are, all of our giftings, all of our weaknesses, all that we are, everything that, that, that comprises who we are is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to him. What we are is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to him. What is keeping you from fulfilling fulfilling this purpose? What is keeping you from saying yes to God today? It could be a sense of pride. It could be a sense of insecurity. It could be a sense of worry. I don't know where I'm going to get the money to do this. I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. How am I going to have time to do this? Um, God, I'm not exactly clear about what step two, three, and four are, but I know what step one is. You know, it could be a sense of uh, pride and security, inability, a lot of different things. What is keeping you from saying yes to God? It's time to stop making excuses. The creator of all things 
thinks that you are significant. The creator of the entire world thinks that you have a purpose and it's time to say yes to God today. Remember that God himself came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, was raised three days later and did all of this to bring us to his father and give us life and life everlasting. We exist to declare this testimony, this gospel, this truth to the world. The question is, how are you being called to do so?